This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, Episode 79. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Pejman Gadimi to the Baller Circle. Pejman is a self-made entrepreneur and founder of VIP Motoring, Secret Consulting, and Secret Entourage, which collectively gross over $50 million a year. He recently released a new book, Radius, which is a sequel to his best-selling book, Third Circle Theory. As part of his Secret Entourage business, Pejmont offers the Secret Entourage Academy, where he helps entrepreneurs start and grow their own businesses by learning from others who have already done it and have proven strategies for success. So Pejmont, I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm glad to have uh, an opportunity to speak with someone who has so much experience and so much success. Uh, and I wanted to know before we get started, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, buddy. I appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. I mean, I'm 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 really curious with all the success you've had and all the businesses that you started. Um, what where did you grow up and 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 kind of what was your first uh, thing that made you want to be an entrepreneur? Well, I mean, I uh, I grew up in uh, I was born in Iran, grew up in France, and then uh, found myself in uh, Los Angeles, and then of course passed that into Northern Virginia near Washington D.C., where I grew most of my business life. Uh, and then from there, finally retired uh, in Florida uh, at the age of 30. So, you know, I mean, I never really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I think that that's one of the, the bizarre parts of my story is that I, I've always watched my mom be an entrepreneur. And meaning when I say entrepreneur, my mom was always a business owner. And based on our the fact that we were never kind of citizens of a country and kept traveling from country to country to uh, escape like the Iranian regime and just try to start a life somewhere else. She always kind of went towards business ownership more than working for other people after we left Iran. And so I've always witnessed that in my mom. And I thought that was always, uh, like an incredible quality to have to be able to start a business. But one of the more realistic viewpoints I had when I was very young is that I watched my mom really struggle to starting businesses. And instead of really looking at her as a success story, you know, like kind of making it time and time again, because my mom never made it big. She always made it good enough to be able to provide us food and shelter. Uh, you know, I kind of watched like that. It was really hard to build a business. And so from a very young age, I kind of was like, well, why the hell would I ever want to be a business owner? That doesn't make any sense, you know, because she's killing herself to barely make ends meet. Right. So so I've always gone kind of the opposite way. And I, and I started a career in banking instead of um, actually following through and being a business owner and everything else. But I, I was, I think, a big believer very young that I didn't know what I want to do. And I didn't know that banking was going to be the end, it, you know, end all for me or anything else. I knew I wanted a career. I knew I wanted to make money. But I knew one thing above everything else, which is what kind of drove me to start uh, thinking of making money on the side and start looking at you know, just starting a business, even if it wasn't to be my primary thing or something that I would spend the rest of my life building. And that was the idea that I didn't want to be poor. That part I knew, Mike, like more than anything else was that when I was young, I just knew I was tired of being poor. I was tired of being in a poor family and I was tired of not having the things that I saw other people enjoying. And, 
you know, I didn't know what to do about it, but I just knew that if I worked versus not worked, I was going to get further uh, than where I was at that time. So with the first business that you started, was, was VIP motoring uh, the first, your first entrepreneurial journey, or was there something that happened even before then? No, VIP motoring wasn't really VIP motoring then. I mean, at the time when I started VIP motoring, I, I didn't have a green card. So I had just gotten a telemarketing job, and uh, I had figured out a way to kind of con my way into a telemarketing job because I wasn't legal. Uh, and what happened is during my breaks, I had time, and so I started a car wash business. At the time, they didn't have things like mobile detailing and mobile car washes, so it wasn't as popular. It wasn't a big thing. Buildings didn't have, you know, on a certain level, a mobile car wash service. So what ended up happening is I just pretty much decided to wash cars in the parking lot uh, and hired some of my other illegal immigrant friends to come wash cars with me. And uh, that was kind of the way we started a very small side hustle of washing cars in the building. I worked as a telemarketer. That same kind of structure, uh, about 10 years after, became VIP motoring, if that makes sense. Okay, okay, sounds good. So what about Secret Consulting? How, how was that business started, and, uh, and what, what exactly are the services that you offer? So I had a very promising, very, very promising career in banking. Like, I loved banking. I made it very far. Uh, I was very young, and I moved up the ranks really, really fast. Uh, by 23, I was leading... Uh, almost 800 plus employees. And, you know, that was a big deal for me and I had no degree and I had just moved up from, from scratch. And I really, really loved my career, but unfortunately uh, a couple of disagreements with people made me uh, forcefully resign, meaning that I had to kind of find something else to do. And so when I left uh, the banking grounds, I decided that, you know what, I would focus on something different, something for myself, and I really liked kind of coaching people and helping people. So I decided to start, uh, at the time, Secret Consulting, which at the moment was nothing more than a, a coaching business for banks, you know, like how to be uh, a better bank, how to be a better executive, how to be a uh, better salesperson in a bank. So it was really a lot of training for, for bank personnel. And unfortunately, for about a year or so, it really failed miserably, like miserably, miserably, like meaning nobody cared, nobody really wanted to do anything with it, which I found to be just normal. I guess you start a business. I don't, I don't expect much in the first year, but it really wasn't getting any traction. So I started rethinking the way I approached it. And I started kind of putting packages together to help smaller banks with uh, culture change, mergers. And, and basically I got a couple of clients, nothing dramatic, but as a result of it, uh, we kind of evolved and actually started gaining larger uh, bank clients who actually were some of the top three banks in the U.S. And as a result of that, over about five years uh, into it, we continued to become a merger and acquisition firm that helped with uh, culture integration and management training. And oh, about a year or so after that, when we kind of dried that edge of it, we decided to kind of transition our business to focus more on building uh, becoming the digital arm to a lot of companies that were larger but didn't have uh, a good digital presence. And by that, I didn't mean like a social marketing agency. I'm talking about someone that, that is a, a larger company but has really not invested a lot in their online presence all around, uh, like in terms of having a website, e-commerce, and everything in between. And they would hire us ultimately to be uh, that arm for them but working under... Uh, kind of their own scope so they would never 
kind of have to say that they hired a third party to run their uh, online management services. Mm, okay. In the whole name, Secret Consulting, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So, so with that, were these skills that you learned while on the job, or how did you how did you learn? I guess all those components that you were able to provide to your your clients. Well, I mean, banking was something that I was really strong at. Everything else, I didn't understand anything about. But the point of business was, is never to to just be a master of it all and uh, and just figure out, you know, how to how to provide everything. But really, I, I think there's two big components to to being successful in business, regardless of your expertise or not. And the first one is to recognize what your personal talents are and how to get those two people, meaning like what is your talent and what is someone willing to pay for? And ultimately, what is the vehicle, which is the business that is going to help drive that talent to a person uh, that is purchasing, right? Because people understand business, they don't understand the intangible of a talent. So, so the business becomes the vehicle of transition between the customer uh, and then the, uh, the founder. The, the other piece of it was really understanding that business is about creating transactions and not so much about ego. I think today, I talk a lot about this in my book, Radius, but today we get lost a lot in this idea of, you know, my business is a brand, I'm all about recognition, and this is what I want my brand to stand for. When we fail to understand that a business is way, way earlier than a brand and typically must be mastered before the word branding can even come into play. So today, you know, everybody's talking about branding because it's sexy, but really they should be talking about business. And business is the art of creating transactions. And so transactions mean, you know, how are you able to create a transaction as a result of a process? And so I think that's what uh, specifically made it easy is I figured out how to take my talents and create little transactions. And then as the, the environment changed and as the type of services needed change, I wasn't so stuck on this idea of what do I stand for and what do I want my company to be? It was more adaptive in the sense that my job as a business is to create transactions so we can make money and be profitable. And so I started looking into what are the transactions that the same clients we're serving are going to need uh, since we've already served them with the basic transactions they've already paid for. And so it's this constant uh, search of how to create or be in the capacity to create more transactions for the same customers over and over. And then, and then I guess with that, you're just leveraging the skill sets of other people you can hire people on or hundred percent. Of course. I mean, you know, if you're capable of understanding these two processes as shared, the, the point becomes really simple to then hire all the gaps and skills to make those transactions possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. So since you mentioned your book Radius, let's let's talk about that. So what is the what is the focus of Radius and how does it differ from uh, Third Circle Theory? So Third Circle Theory was what I call the prequel to entrepreneurship. The, the role of Third Circle Theory was the mastery of three circles, which I believe every human being goes through, the mastery of circumstance, the mastery of society, and the mastery of life. On the other hand, Radius, which stands for reaching across different industries, uncovering solutions, subtitled the universal language of business is a universal formula I've created that really emphasizes how ideas go from basically a person's head into an, a massive empire like a Disney or Amazon, breaking down a formula that you can literally plug any idea, business, brand, empire, or product into and immediately realize if you're on the right path, wrong path, 
or if there is an opportunity for you to uh, change things to ensure you can be on the right path. So, so it's almost like a math book, you would say, but like it's really about a formula that I, from all of my experiences, I believe to be universal to all businesses, to all brands and to all products, uh, regardless of industry, and really explains clearly if a business can function or not. I think, you know, I, I focus in the book on, on what I call the five pillars of entrepreneurship, and I help people decipher, because this is really important, I help people decipher the reality between entrepreneurship and business and what it really takes through these very easy to understand formulas to win in each. So when you first decipher the two, it makes it easy to understand the destination. Once the destination is clear, then it makes it easy to understand what formula is used to get there. And so then it becomes a plug and play model. But Radius has been more of a business book via Third Circle Theory, uh, was, was a very powerful psychological book about what it takes to mentally prepare, as well as how to shift your perspective to be ready to be very successful both in business or entrepreneurship. Hmm, I like that. So when you're talking about uh, what it really takes to be successful, what does it take? Because I think I feel like that is a, a big problem that a lot of people have. Their perceptions of what they need to do to be successful are misaligned with what it really takes. Absolutely. I mean, 100% of the world believes in one thing that doesn't exist, right? Like, I think that the way I like to think of it is it takes it takes perspective first. It takes the ability to align your perspective to the reality of the situation, not the reality of your ego. The second piece is it takes a lot of mental clarity in your understanding that while all of us want money, which is very fair and very clear and, and, a, and a normal thing, uh, the ones that find the most success in business are not the ones that want money, but are the ones that rather understand that same principle we talked about of that the business is nothing more than the extension of your talents and your ability to create ultimately a, a, a vehicle to get those, that talent to people. And when you commit to a talent, that means that you're willing to do that talent for 10 years and get better at it, even if there was no money involved. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to stay poor for 10 years. It just means that that's the commitment level it takes. And then it takes correct reasoning and understanding of how a business functions, which is where, you know, the idea of radius comes in and understanding that just because it's sexy to be an entrepreneur doesn't mean you want to be one just because you own a business. So deciphering the two is also very important because entrepreneurship is very gray, meaning each person has their own path to the to the end game, you know, like it's a very gray area that you need to learn to navigate and create a road from. On the other hand, business is very black and white. It's very easy, not easy to execute, but it's simple to understand. So if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But but people often overcomplicate business, thinking they need to create all these roads to, to their destination and everything else. And as a result, end up missing on this idea that the road's already paved, it's already there. To be successful in business is no longer uh, an imaginary, like everybody has their own path to the top kind of thing. To be an entrepreneur is that way, but to be in business is not. And I think when we decipher the two, we understand that often entrepreneurship meets business and often entrepreneurship uses business as a vehicle to get mass public acceptance. And uh, sometimes in business, we get or spark ideas that are entrepreneurial and enable us to leave a legacy much greater than money. 
So when you when you think about entrepreneurship and, and, and business, what is the differentiator between the two? Well, business is a simple concept of creating transactions, meaning like the, the role of a business, like I said, is black and white in the sense that once a tr transaction is created, uh, it's simply a, a matter of process and it's consistency. I mean, if you told me today you wanted to start a coffee shop, right? There's nothing entrepreneurial about that as a business. Like you would go in, you would serve coffee and you would create a transaction. The coffee becomes the product, the transaction and process, you know, is done at the register, right? And an exchange of money is then taken for an exchange of product. It's a very simple concept, meaning that there's different ways you can make your concept cleaner, nicer, more appealing. That's called marketing. That has no correlation with the business or entrepreneurial side. But the basis of it is that the transaction process creation has already been done a hundred times by a thousand other people. And so what ends up happening is it's not hard for you to decipher how does a coffee shop work by visiting a coffee shop in your neighborhood or talking to a successful coffee shop owner who can tell you exactly what you need to do to ultimately create a transaction. It's a very black and white process. On the other hand, entrepreneurship is a much, much deeper game of, of understanding yourself enough to figure out how to bring a, 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 a position of change or innovation to those around you. And often people misunderstand that entrepreneurship in itself is never profitable. It is the ability to turn an idea of evolution, an idea of change, an idea of uh, bettering how processes work that are mass publicly accepted and then converting them into a business vehicle that the majority of the world understands to be able to give you money, in other words, again, create a transaction in exchange for such value, which is not understood to begin with. Meaning if we look at a business, most people understand, most people understand how to walk into a coffee shop and purchase coffee. It's a pretty self-explanatory system because it's been done. However, when Elon Musk says, I want to change the environment and I want to help create, you know, a, a better environment with less pollution, then a human being says, well, I don't know how to contribute to that. So Elon Musk has to say, well, okay, then I'll create a car company that helps facilitate that and you will pay money in exchange for a car, which is something you understand because that's a business, it's a transaction created. In exchange, this will help my overall mission and every car on the road will participate and continue to participate in this global role of um, bettering climate. So again, you know, one again creates a transaction process for the mass public to understand, but there is a bigger element uh, to one than the other. Okay. I got that. Sounds good. I like the differentiation. I've, I've rarely heard people make that distinction. Um, so let's talk about secret entourage. Uh, so what exactly is Secret Entourage and who is the Secret Entourage Academy right for? So Secret Entourage was, that was actually my, I would say my first entrepreneurial uh, concept outside of, you know, business. Like I, I own businesses, but at, at some point I realized I didn't want to be known for just a guy that had money or cars and things of the sort. So I started focusing a little bit on what, where some of these talents I, I've always had. And one of my biggest ones was teaching. I've always loved teaching and I was always very good at it when it came to teaching business, leadership or anything else. And that was a core talent and I've always found different vehicles to give to people to. So with Secret Academy and Secret Entourage, it became 
It was about me teaching business first, and it followed up and became more about me helping other people learn. So I decided to create a platform where I would recruit. First off, I started recruiting all my friends who had exotic cars and, and had really nice lives and lifestyles and asked them uh, what they were doing for a living and to share with people uh, how they had made it, regardless that it was formal education or it was self-made in the sense of, you know, like resilience and everything else. I just had them share their stories. So I started doing basically uh, like a magazine style blog on the lives of those who had had success like myself and decided to share my story, their stories, and ultimately get them together and, and just kind of share through beautiful imagery because I had a great photographer friend of mine. I shared through beautiful imagery, something that was appealing to younger people so that they could learn how others had made it. And through time, I just, uh, we evolved to having more videos and having a full blown out blog and, and so much more that uh, it needed a revenue model. And so we created uh, a, like kind of an e-learning curriculum that focuses on over 200 industries and that has 300 plus self-made incredible coaches uh, all teaching specifically what they've had a lot of success in. And so I have these people share uh, through their particular industry what they've done to be successful and ultimately teach in our academy, which creates a very on-demand kind of look at a, at a college system where every teacher is, is not a professor, but rather someone with a direct track record uh, in the industry or in the business of interest. Okay, I like that. I've also noticed that you have uh, some some like live uh, live opportunities for entrepreneurs in your academy to meet up and and, uh, and network with one another. What are those meetings like? Yeah, so the the there well, there's three components to the academy. First, it's the online platform, which is just video based, a lot of e learning, and it's updated every week. The second piece is the online community where people can interact and obviously talk to each other and uh, just get to know each other and obviously find co-founders, friends, and like-minded individuals uh, across the U.S. and the world. And then the, the last piece is the live parts are, are broken down into eight uh, workshops that go on every quarter. So I teach different uh, principles uh, or I uh, ask one of the other teachers in the academy to teach something specific. We set up a uh, a location and have uh, about 20 to 30 people show up to each workshop and we help uh, students just get better in business through these various, you know, industry-based workshops, et cetera. The, the last piece is what we call the meetups. The meetups are the fun part. I've always thought that having speaking engagements suck because one person speaks on stage, everybody sits behind a chair, they have to listen to the same crap they can listen to anyways, anywhere online. Meaning if people hear my story here, why would they want to pay $500, go sit in a room and just hear the same story again? You know, it's kind of like repetitive and it's kind of overdone. So we've always felt that the new model for learning was more focused on interaction. And so we create these awesome meetups across the U.S. that are in restaurants or bars or very casual environments. And we invite students to come and mingle uh, with extremely successful entrepreneurs who have huge track records and are teaching in the academy and who are at the same level as them in the sense that they're in a room holding a beer, having a conversation. And, you know, I think one of our academy teachers, Tom Billyu, the former, uh, the founder of Quest Nutrition and the former CEO of it, uh, said, you know, in our, in our late, in our latest meetup in California said that he, it was the only meetup he had been to, uh, where, where not only you see a high level of participation, but you see a high level of action taking, 
because people are so not just motivated, but are able to feel that it's possible because they're not watching someone speak, but they're directly interacting with someone no different than they would if they were their neighbor or they had seen him at the mall and had bumped into him by accident. And as a result, that person is willing to commit their time uh, to just hanging out and talking. And I think that is the biggest differentiator behind why our academy has successfully worked much better than a lot of people who just keep throwing events uh, and charge ridiculous amounts of money for them. Hmm. So you've coached and also you're friends with and have done interviews with uh, so many different entrepreneurs who are really successful. What do you think are the differentiating factors between those who go out there and they try to start a business and they're successful versus others who are not so successful? Uh, the lack of, I think that the internal blame is the best way to look at it. Like anybody who usually finds some level of success, doesn't matter how big, typically has a pretty good internal blame system. People who usually fail have a pretty good external blame system. It's like, you know, nothing ever works out when you start a business. Nothing ever works out when you're an entrepreneur. The question becomes, do you blame yourself and start looking for solutions? Or do you blame an external factor that you have no control over and feel powerless? I think that's the biggest differentiator behind uh, a lot of people I've talked to, a lot of people that I'm friends with. It's always that when there's a problem, we understand that we are the solution uh, versus a lot of people when they have a problem, they believe that something else caused it and that it does not have an immediate solution. So, so I, think, I think that's a big, very easy differentiator behind people who find success. And I'm not referring to success just in business. I mean, success in life in general. Like even if you work for others, people who typically move up the ranks really fast have a pretty good internal blame system, not so much an external blame one. Versus bad managers, for example, always blame their staff for not having made them goal, you know? But good managers often blame themselves, even if they're failing, and understand that it is their ability to coach their staff that will lead them to getting better staff, you know? So out of the uh, the members of your academy, is that what you've seen with those who have come in as students, those who are the ones that take responsibility for their own actions? You see them having a lot more success than those who, I guess, always seem to find someone else to uh, shift the responsibility to? Yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and when I say someone else, sometimes it, it's also the environment, right? It's like, oh, I don't live in a good area. Oh, my parents aren't supportive. Oh, you know, I don't have any money. Those are external blame factors too, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not just like, oh, this person did this, so I didn't make it, you know? But if you think about people saying, well, I don't have money to start. Okay, well, you have the opportunity to go get a job, right? So why don't you work a job? So the one that's externally influenced will say, well, I don't have money to start. The one that's internally influenced already got a job at the supermarket making eight bucks an hour because he understands eight bucks an hour is better than zero. And he's moving towards that goal even if it's gonna take him three years to start because he understands he is the catalyst for the change, not the environment. So, so the same, I mean, I've seen this in all of our students too. I mean, our students find much more success when they're willing to accept that no one is going to jump out and tell them exactly what to do and no one is going to hold their hand while doing it. They have to do it and they have to figure out that when they run into a problem, they are also the one with the capacity to go seek the answer. And they're not just gonna wait around and say, well, did Secret Academy give me an immediate answer right now because that's what I need, you know? And I think those that realize that the world, the world does not revolve around them 
are those that typically understand that and some action is required to create a reaction. And so they typically take it within themselves to create a series of actions that lead to a series of reactions. Okay. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Pejmont, I'm really glad to have you on the show. You provided a lot of really good insights. Uh, your book, Radius, sounds pretty awesome. Uh, I had to go pick up a copy for myself. Uh, so, yeah, before we close out, I wanted to know, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Yeah, so I always tell people, like, I think the best thing to do is I, I write books for a reason, so people read them. I've made enough money in my life that I don't need to make money off my books. I write them because I believe in the message of the books. So the first thing is definitely check out uh, Radius and Third Circle, and you can pick up both at either secretacademics.com or uh, powerofradius.com or thirdcirclebook.com. And outside of that, I'm very active on social media. So I, you can follow me on Instagram at iCreateMillionaires, uh, as well as Facebook, which is my first and last name. And I'm very responsive to messages. I love uh, hearing from people. And if, if you have a question specific to anything you've heard today, I'm always, always happy to connect with you and, and converse as much as I can uh, to make sure that you understand a lot of the principles I talked about here today. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Pejman, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate the time and uh, have a great day. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring Internet baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.